On today's show, I sat down with my longtime friend Solomon, and we discussed everything from Star Wars to Spider-Man and Marvel, the Joker trailer, video games, and science fiction novels. So join us as we travel with my digital recorder over to the Fortress of Solitude to interview Solomon on this episode of Free Your Geek. By the power of Grayskull, Winter is coming. Finish him. Fatality. And welcome to Free Your Geek. I am your host, Jay Free. And with me uh, is a special guest that we're going to be calling Sol, but his name is Solomon. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. Uh, we've been, what, like 20 years now, give or take? 20 year anniversary, uh, 20 year reunions coming up, so. Yeah. Junior high? Junior, so junior high, so yeah, probably like 20, 25 years. It's crazy. Uh, absolutely crazy, but uh, glad to have you on the show. I know you're an avid listener. Um, we got so many things to talk about. I, I want to just kind of get right into it. Let's just, uh, for the listener, tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you geek out for? Like, what are some of your, your hobbies, your interests, and, and what kind of attracts you to those particular things? So, um, anything space, a big space geek. Um, Got started, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, actually led me to, led me to my profession for a while. I was an engineer on ships, a little too, uh, Geordie LaForge wannabe, uh, not as interesting as hunting aliens and, and we didn't have phasers and stuff on the ship, but, uh, spent four years on ships as an engineer. Um, avid reader, uh, I started with, uh, Dr. Doolittle and then got into Tolkien. Uh, Forgotten Realms, and then into anything of the new genres up through. We were talking about Ready Player One, which is my my new book that you must read if you pick up books. Um, and you know, cartoons as a kid started with He-Man and Thundercats, and just didn't shy away from it. Didn't come up with something better to to watch on TV. <laughs> 90210 didn't grab me. I just no, kept watching really? cartoons. You, you weren't you weren't a Brenda Walsh fan. No, no. Um, I I do want to go back. You said uh, from your book. So you, you mentioned Tolkien. What do you think of uh, the uh, the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy and then the uh, Hobbit movies? So the Hobbit was one of the first books that I remember reading um, all the way through as a kid. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I loved. Peter Jackson's take on both of them. The Hobbit trilogy felt a little pulled and, um, you know, they add a little bit more. I, I definitely could have seen it doing two movies. You, you think it was uh, spread a little too thin? Um, I mean, they added a lot to get three movies. I think it was just... My, uh, my reference was going to be like, like butter spread across too much bread. Yeah, I mean... I think they also added some Nutella and stuff in there, yeah, so it yeah, wasn't yeah. even uh, it wasn't even like it was spread too thin. They they added some new characters and for those listeners that are unfamiliar with the reference, go watch uh, 
oh my god, what's the name of the first movie? Uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Go. That's that's uh, that's what Bilbo says to to Gandalf. He feels spread too thin, like bread, butter spread across too much bread. Yeah, that, yeah. So that's that's my geeky reference. He's too old for his own good. <laughs> Um, so, so of the movies, the trilogy you, you, you enjoyed, uh, is there a favorite character that you had book and then that was done? How do you feel that was done in the movie version? I, I actually really liked, um, Bilbo in the, in the movie. I think he translated well from the books. Uh, there was actually an original cartoon that, that they did back in the eighties of the Hobbit and they didn't mention the Arkenstone and the whole, um, jockeying for control of the the mines and everything so i think they did really good with that um you know they added like the giant worms and stuff which was kind of weird for the uh for the battle of the five five armies at the end but i enjoyed the dwarf riding the riding a pig i mean that's always hilarious to watch there was no tom bombadil in the movie so what were your thoughts on on that was he a cat like for me he never grabbed me when i read the books i read the books in college and i was never a, a bombadil fan but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't love his character. And then they, they expanded, like I said, they, they added the female elf, which is fine. Um, and they kind of expanded on, on the bard, um, in, in, uh, the river, the river town. Um, so that was, you know, added a lot more to that. Um, and the dragon, it wasn't just like a bow and arrow. So that was, that was interesting. I mean, there was, for all intents and purposes, it was great. I mean, I've watched it two or three times. It's just, they're long. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, even the books, when you read, like, the two towers, you know, in the middle was kind of drawn out and it was long. But the movies were, you know, iconic. I mean, I'm going to go to New Zealand just because I want to see. You gotta, you're going to go check out the Shire. you gotta, you got to yeah, go. That's, that's like on the bucket list. Yeah. I love that. I, I For me, um, I loved Gimli the, in the movie. The, the like. I just like, I, I don't know, I, we, and this can actually segue into our next talk because uh, once I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, I was immediately drawn to a uh, dwarf class or the, or the dwarf race. Um, and I played a, a dual class uh, thief and fight, a fighter thief. Uh, and I had a, a dwarf named Oscar, Oscar the Grouch. That's, that's my whole campaign for the last like 12 years. I know you mentioned uh, you're big into D&D. &D. Yeah. Um, you, we, we mentioned that you, you, depending on the type of uh, campaign, you have a number of different classes that you like to play just for different uh, power sets or, or, or capabilities. Yeah, I uh, frequently would, when I started, I started out in more of a ranger class, obviously, uh, drift, uh, drifting into Aragorn and then in Forgotten Realms, there's a very popular character, a dark elf called Drizzt, who's a dark elf, which are technically evil in Forgotten Realms in the Faerun universe. And then they, he leaves that whole life. And uh, the author is R.A. Salvatore, who's a Massachusetts based author who writes tons of books. He's done Star Wars. He's done Forgotten Realms. He has his own, um, universes that he's created. So his character is in over 30-something books that I'm current with. I read him very frequently, uh, who's a ranger. And then I drifted more into the spellcaster as I played more, having more variations of attack. So I drift into the druid class, uh, weather stuff. That's um, interesting. Support character. Because, yeah, I, I always think of, like, you know, if you're, you're kind of new to, to the game or, or like, a, an RPG such as, you know, D&D. &D, and I, I play classic, you know, first edition um typically you start off with like either a magic user or a fighter because that's typically what you're 
accustomed to, but we moved on to uh, psionics and, mm. and, and all, and just that's once you get like a better handle on how to play the game and what the mechanics of the game are to, when you have that new character, I think that's, that's, that's super fun. Um, yes, yeah, so we have, there's a couple of, uh, different, uh, people we graduated high school with that, that play. And we, we can talk a little bit offline cause I don't know if you know all the people that play, but, uh, I don't want to give shouts out here if they're not comfortable there. But, um, and I, I love that you mentioned Geordi LaForge too, right off the mm. bat. Cause so you're a next generation versus original Star Trek type of guy. Well, it was on when I was younger. Um, next generation was on like, I think it was on like three different syndications. You could catch like three episodes in a night. And I, rem- and he, you know, for, for LeVar Burton, for those that don't know him, you're living under a rock, but you know, reading rainbow, he was, uh, the, what was it? Uh, Roots. He was in Roots. Um, just like so prevalent in TV. And then he went on to direct and stuff. But I mean, reading Rainbow and how much, you know, you would see him on that when I was younger. And then he was also in Star Trek. And he was always the, you know, logical person that I kind of, I leaned more towards the, yeah, I gravitate towards more of the logical problem solving. And um, it was just always, Something I enjoyed. I, I was always on the water and on boats and ships. And it was, uh, you know, the person in the, you know, everybody wants to gravitate towards like Worf and Riker, you know, and you're like, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm more towards, I'm just going to fix all. Well, problems. that being said, what do you, uh, what, did you see the uh, Picard trailer? I did. What thoughts on that? Uh, I, I don't know who's running it. I mean, visually, it looks really good. They, they teased at a lot of things. I think to try and grab as many people as possible, right? Cause they, they showed seven and nine. Um, and I enjoyed Voyager. Uh, they showed data. I'm trying to figure out, um, was Troy in, the, I think. I don't recall that, but I mean, they, they grabbed a bunch of people from the different, um, genres. I think seven and nine was teasing the board because that's how they kept Voyager. You know, Voyager was kind of losing people mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, let's throw the Borg in because everybody loves the Borg and we can get three or four seasons of pulling people in, right? It's like Deep Space Nine, they start to lose people. Like, we're going to throw in Worf and a war and we'll keep people through seven seasons. So. Yeah, I know that guy. I recognize that. Yeah. Guy. Okay. I'm, I'm back in because uh, yeah. I'm all about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah. So we talked... Uh, you know, pretty much, you know, the whole sci-fi type of thing um, from, and even even just more like the fantasy type thing with, with D&D. And then you, you mentioned your love of novels. Um, if you had to pick one franchise, that's like that kind of like everything they've done, like I'm, I'm on board every single time. Would, would it be, would it be like more of a Star, a Star Trek? Would it be a Star Wars or would it be more like the you know, we, we, we talked we talked a little Star Wars earlier offline, and, and we're going to talk about going there, and uh, we're going to talk, uh, you know, about some different trailers that might have dropped as well, and, and The Mandalorian. I know you said you were excited about that, mm. um, but is there is there one that you're just kind of like, this symbolizes, like, my passion for, like, this whole area of, like, nerd or, or geekdom, if you will? Yeah, I mean... Growing up with comic books, um, I really gravitate towards Marvel. And there was a point where Marvel has just kind of stepped up. Like at the end of the 90s, they were doing a lot. They were putting out a lot of comics. They had the good cartoons, right? We grew up with the X-Men and the Spider-Man cartoons, which were, you didn't even believe they could pull that off, right? I mean, they would come on at 11 o'clock on Saturday, and I'm trying to figure out how to stay home Mm -hmm. so I can watch it at 11 o'clock on Saturday mornings. 
Because for those of you that don't know, back in the day, you couldn't just on-demand stuff. There was no such thing as DVR. Yeah, there was. You could set up your your VHS recorder on your TV, and if somebody went in and mucked with the channels, and you automatically were download where you were recording Antique Roadshow mm -hmm. instead of the eleven o'clock X Men that you wouldn't see again for two weeks. Right. Um, so you no, know, Marvel is um, has always been um, for me. You know, when you don't fit in. Even the people that are idolized in the comics still don't fit in. And I think that really connects with a younger audience that's still trying to find themselves. Star Trek is great, but the early stuff, the universe was too clean. Star Wars is amazing. I love Star Wars. Um, it's, it's such a small slice in the movies where, like, I've read the books and they just go so much farther. I mean, I can't say enough read books because you get the internal workings of the character's brain and you get you know more of what they're going for than you can fit into a three-hour movie you know i actually really like that i think you're one of the first guests that we've had in the three plus years we've been doing this that are like yeah i'll read the books like don't just go see the movie of it read the book like i think that's that's really cool because to your point you can get into if you're passionate about that and you want to kind of get into like you said like kind of like the the headspace of the characters or just get more if it's a world that you're really passionate about a universe you're really passionate about and you get all the little other intricacies that you're like oh my god this kind of makes this world that much more like involved in, in my in my mind i can i can paint that image to it to your point so they're not just like i i liken it to like watching fireworks watching a movie is like watching fireworks boom it's oh it's visually you know but it doesn't really like grip you as much as like it doesn't make you feel as much internally you know, because you're, you're not playing it all through your brain. You're just visualizing it a lot more than you're actually internally, like, uh, running through it. So to your point with the books, um, you know, same thing with the comics. I love certain points. You know, we, we, we're going to talk about some Marvel stuff and some DC stuff. But when you read the books and then you see it on the big screen or maybe even on, like, one of the Netflix shows or coming soon to Disney Plus and you, you see, like, oh, it's, it's, it's taking a nod from the comic books. You know, there's a certain thing that's like oh i remember reading that and i remember how like we we talked about you know uh spider-man earlier that you're a big fan of spider-man um and to me it's like you know to your point when you can relate to certain characters such as spider-man like here's a guy with all the powers in the world but he's got that parker luck where nothing seems to go right for him and then even they they kind of allude to a lot of it in the, the sam raimi movies where he's delivering pizza and he's late and he's trying to hold all these jobs and it's just like he's got the powers of spider-man but he can't really like use them because of his moral code, you know, and it's just, it's it, to me, I think it's just very interesting that you can almost gleam from these books, whether it's, you know, comic books or, or novels or whatnot, the inspiration and just the, the, the passion of the characters and it draws a bigger, I don't know, it draws more emotion, I think, out of you as a, as a fan of the genre when you can kind of get into that depth and I'm just kind of rambling now. So yeah, yeah, go for it, bro. It's, it's more the, um, what's not special about them, right? Like that's what people gravitate towards. Like even they have all this going for them and you might one day have everything going for you, but you're still going to have issues. It's like the, the show that you watch where people win the lottery and their life is still, is still, uh, you know, just, just a dumpster fire right. at times. Yeah. And, and you have everything going for you. I mean, I, I, I love DC. You know, I think they're, they have some good stuff on DC Universe. And, there's, and the shows that are doing better are the struggles, right? Like even 
you know, Justice League had its ups and downs, Aquaman, you know, ups and downs, but it's the, it's the struggles that define people more than, hey, I, somebody gave me a magic ring and I'm good to go. Right. And, and I think, I think to your point too, with from the Marvel versus DC side, Marvel to an extent has a lot of those characters with their flaws. Like you talked about the X-Men, the X-Men cartoon, you know, basically they're born different than other people. So that's why they're hated on. And you can use that kind of like example for anything going on in the world right now, whether it's a, a religious belief, sexuality, race, anything. Like, I don't like you because you're different. And X-Men's, you know, kind of like the, the, the figurehead for that as far as those kids that feel like they don't fit in or feel like, oh, because people don't like me because I'm different, because I might have a different belief, because I might have a different ethnicity. And it's just, it's one of those things where it's like the X-Men's kind of like that symbol, like, hey, we can all work together and have this like peaceful existence and I you know then but then you kind of veil that with like oh this guy can shoot lasers out of his eyes this guy's got claws and you know this one can control the weather and you know I just think it's a really really cool uh concept and it's just you know Stan Lee like and you you go listen to interviews he's just like I just made them that way because I didn't want to think of another way for them to get powers and it's just like they're born this way and it's just but it works on so many levels that people can identify with you know and and just Everything else with like, you know, from the Hulk to, you know, the Punisher and just like you talk about him, like as far as his motivation and, you know, in any other semblance of the real world, this is the guy that the cops would, you know, be after, you know, because he's a vigilante, because he's taking lives, but you see his background, you can actually sympathize a lot with him. And that, that to me, it like makes like for the better stories when you can like sympathize with certain characters and understand their motivations for doing what they do. Yeah, I think the best stories they say, like, examines the gray area. Like, there's no easy answer when you go into anything that's black and white. Like, that's a bad guy. Well, I mean, he's bad, but he has motivations. And it's funny because, you know, uh, everyone says it, and I say it, the older we get, the more we empathize with some of these bad guys. Uh, I rewatched Fallen Down the other day. I don't know if you've ever seen that I movie haven't, I haven't. with uh, Kirk Douglas. I have not seen it. Oh, it's it's super 80s movie. He, like, gets fired from his job and just starts this... Um, this dumpster fire of an afternoon where he's like his car breaks down and he starts wandering through East LA through like the gang sections and it just his day gets worse and worse and you think he's like a bad guy at the end of the day you're like I mean I could see that happen to me well and, and that's the thing even like these villains that especially Marvel's done a really good job for uh, in their movies and whatnot a lot of the villains that they have out there like you look at somebody like uh, you know, probably the most prominent villain in the Marvel movies right now that's been in the most of them is Loki. And you look at where he's come from in the sense that, you know, Loki essentially was, you know, taken as a child, brought into this world, and he's, like, always felt like he wasn't loved and he want you know, him and Thor weren't necessarily equals and Thor was always the uh, the chosen one. And you can kind of get that motivation where he's just trying to, like, do his own thing and kind of like prove himself and, and rule and become, he wanted to rule Asgard and he didn't have the same uh, checks and balances that Thor did. Or like, you know, we, we can talk about like the way Marvel uses its villains as like secondary characters, but like somebody like Baron Zemo in uh, Winter Soldier, was it Winter Soldier? No, Civil War. Civil War, yeah. Civil War, where it's just like, you know, his family was killed by the Avengers. How does that make you a bad guy? You know what I mean? Like to your point, you can you can empathize a lot more with them in that shades of gray area. Yeah, I mean, I know you talked about the boys. Yeah, I, was the say, I you, finished you... the boys. Yeah, I finished that. Yeah. That that was a two day binge watch. I yeah. mean, Carl Urban, you know, from Doctor McCoy to Judge Dredd to 
you know, Billy Butcher now, and you're you, not going to spoil it for anybody, but oh, no, we, we, you'll be waiting on bated breath for the second oh, season absolutely. to start. No, and I think, I think we're past the point. If you, anything we're going to say, anything we're going to talk about, uh, be prepared for spoilers because we're, we're going to go into some heavy stuff here. But yeah, the boys, I absolutely, I have uh, the Don, a friend of the show, and then most, most times uh, co-host of the show. Uh, he'll be back, I think, next week. But um, he loves it. He's he's a big fan of Homelander. He just loves how deliciously evil he is, and I couldn't stand him. And I'm just like that. Kind of says all you have to say. Like, you know, I watched that show, and I thought, you know, more more often than not, given the certain ways that certain people in the world work, if that was the situation, it would be pretty true to form. Oh, I absolutely. They would be. They would easily be that group that would exploit them for that. Um, I had to go lighthearted. So I don't know. Did you watch The Tick on Amazon? No. I, oh. I, I love the animated series. Going back to our talk about animated series. To me, it was X-Men, uh, Spider-Man, uh, Batman the Animated Series, oh, yeah. and The Tick. Like the tick. Those, those are like the staples as a kid. But yeah, I, wanted, I need to check out that show. Oh, it's, it's on the queue. So we'll, we'll, we'll do like five minutes of talking about The Tick right yeah, now. Yeah, go for it. So... Um, the first season is great. It's twisted. Um, they play with uh, people with, you know, the tick has a little bit of a head thing going on. Mm -hmm. They play with that and they play true to some of the original characters, but not all of them. Like they bring back the terror. Um, it's, it's light, but it's also true to the superhero form. And I'm trying to remember who plays the tick. I know Warburton played in the original. Um, but the the cast is great. Um, I'm into the second season now. It's uh, it's totally different from the boys, but a great show. If you if you've watched the original, the Tick um, Christmas episode is my favorite episode with multiple Santa. Like they always have like Christmas time. I love to go through all the Christmas episodes. The Tick versus multiple Santa is I think the funniest Christmas episode of shows. I'm not going to even try to pronounce his name. Peter uh, Serafinowitz. I don't. Is who know. plays the tick? Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah. I, I I can't pronounce that name. But um, how how does he do as? Uh, I mean, I liked Warburton when he played him, but I think he does a really he does a really good job um, as the tick. The mannerisms always, you know, a little bit of a weird weirder hero right um kind of like tongue-in-cheek superhero but still borderline indestructible and heart in the right place no matter what almost like a child with superpowers you know so i i, I hope it goes longer you know amazon has all this money they've got lord of the rings coming out they've they got the boys which is doing great now they got the tick season two People are talking about they're just pumping out shows like it's going out of style. So hopefully people watch it. Watch it so that they keep it on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, one of the things that uh, you watch that I haven't and I, I want you to kind of sell me on is uh, Voltron. Oh, so this was this comes from the discussion I was having with you on open or don't open collectibles, yes, right? Yes. So um, I didn't really get into Power Rangers. I used to laugh because I have a a younger cousin who's seven years younger than me. So he was big into Power Rangers growing up. And I just looked at him and went, they're just rebranding Voltron, right? 
so the the series came out on Netflix. I want to say like four years ago, three or four years ago. DreamWorks um, did a really good job adapting it to the new technology of CGI and and keeping true to the original, not just using it as a marketing tool for selling toys, which we all know, you know, 90% of cartoons is about mm -hmm. selling toys. Um, so they'll change up like the vehicles every year and stuff. Voltron was always just the five lions. Uh, once again, takes place in space, love space. Uh, if you go on Netflix, you can watch the original series. I think there's a dozen of the original episodes that are super campy from the 80s, um, partially not PC, that they use to influence the new show. But I think if anybody likes Power Rangers, they, they, once again, they focus more on the people's flaws and how when they work together, you can't do anything alone, right? They're not like one Power Ranger goes off and does his own thing. They, it's a big, um, they all have their specific set of skills almost, yeah. if you will. And like some of them have their own shortcomings, but you have somebody else to pick up from those shortcomings and that's an area they're stronger in and they might be weaker somewhere else. And yeah, and then they go into, so there's a whole uh, galactic empire that's trying to take over everything and they're trying to let people maintain their independence and choose who they want to control their destiny and everything. So they have this, um, the, the whole, you know, bad guys are universally bad guys that are trying to take over. So anyone that, if you like Power Rangers, you have to give Voltron a shot because it came from, it was a natural evolution, right? Like you can't say you like new Mustangs, but you don't like the 60s Mustangs because right. there would be none without the other. Right. And then when you watch it and you're like, oh, that's totally, I mean, it's funny, the Power Rangers, when they had the guys in suits fighting, Voltron was all cartoon, DreamWorks made into CGI. You know, we were talking about the whole, the, one of the age old like, Children of the 80s versus children of the 90s. Who would win, Voltron or the Power Rangers? YouTube did it. Voltron won. I'm going to go with that. Okay. I'm not, I'm not diving any deeper. Um, but, you know, it's good, it's good to, to have that fun argument with the children of the 90s and the, and the 2000s. That's that are still living with, I don't know, like Power Rangers group number 25 or something. Well, I'll give, I'll give a quick shout out to a, a YouTube channel called Bat in the Sun. Not sure if you've ever gone, gone there, but they actually do like, uh, they have fan votes and they pit two characters against each other. And then they do a live action uh, reenactment of the fight of how it would go. And I'll show you a video once we get offline uh, what, they, what they do, but it's actually really good. They have uh, Jason David Frank who played the Green Ranger on Power mm. Rangers. He's in a bunch of them. So I'd be like, oh, like, Ryu versus Tommy from Power Rangers, you know, and just things like that. They had, I believe, like um, Nathan Drake from the Uncharted series versus Lara Croft, you know, and just like they did like live action. They just have the cast actors and actresses and they do like all the like the special effects and stuff. And it's it's definitely fan made, but it's so good. It's so good. Like, and they, and they had, it's hosted and they, they have a vote and they go to like all these different cons and they start like um, questioning people who go on the cons who would win in a fight. And, and it's, just, it's, it's a really cool series. And they have... Tons of different videos. I'll show you when we get off uh, offline. But speaking of uh, you know different characters, we I want to talk. We did to say that you you're more of a Marvel person than DC. Um, let's just go favorite hero and favorite villain in both, uh, if you could, or, or at least some some of your favorites. Like who did you? Obviously, we kind of talked about Spider Man, but how yeah. about like uh, other Marvel heroes you you kind of gravitate toward? So Spider Man and Iron Man, I always gravitated towards. Um, the comics, 
uh, had big into Spider-Man really early on. Uh, my grandfather was a was a newspaper photographer, so it was just he was a photographer and always struggling as Spider-Man. Um, Iron Man and his ability to, you know, take what was inherently a weakness of himself, and he was failing, but his mind and his intelligence was how he went about changing it. And in the comics, which they didn't show in the movies, he was borderline for a while, like destructive alcoholic. Yes. Um, to the point of probably couldn't have walked without the suit, not from physical, but just being drunk. Um, so he had he had a very, I mean, a lot of the characters take dark arcs, but he had a very self-destructive nature that he had to overcome. Um, not something you saw as much, you know, DC people have like, incredible losses and stuff he was self-destructive and he was like his own worst enemy right so he was uh always always a tough you root for him and you hope that they're gonna come out better off or everyone else is better off so it was funny when they cast robert downey jr because i thought in the movies he was going to be an alcoholic but they didn't really want to get now. into it too much so uh, favorite villains I loved Galactus. I was always a Silver Surfer fan. Uh, he would go around and eat worlds. I had a bunch of Silver Surfer when he was a herald of Galactus. And then when he wasn't, obviously he's never been portrayed well in the, in the movies, right? They made yeah. him like a giant space bug in the Rise of the Silver Surfer movie, which was... Well, we now that the property is back on on the Marvel side, I can't wait. Yeah, I, did you see the? Um, apparently, there's a statue of them in Infinity in the end of uh, Endgame, not Infinity War. So apparently, there's a statue. I haven't caught it. No. In, when Spider-Man's like going through New York, there's a statue. We'll have to look it up. Yeah. Somebody gonna, said there's an Easter egg for the I'm Fantastic gonna to, Four. I'm going to have to look that. Yeah. Let's if uh, any of the listeners know about that, give us a shout. Uh, either on Twitter, either on our Facebook page, or Instagram. Free or geek on. All of that. Let's uh, let's look that up. Um, well, you talked about favorite villains. Yeah. I, I, let's let's segue a little bit. Um, speaking of a villain, we have a villain on the DC side known as the Joker, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, the trailer dropped last week. Uh, have you had a chance to check that out? I did. It's. I'm, I'm wondering what they're going to rate the movie. I'm hoping it's going to come it's, in. It's, it's R. Is it going to be it's R? It's going to be rated okay. R. Yeah, and it's coming in October, so right around the corner. Uh, as of this recording, so we're starting uh, beginning of September. As of this recording, so we got about a month before it comes out, and uh, I I've seen it, and I just you know uh, Heath Ledger's portrayal has a special place in my heart. Um, I you know I never really got behind, and this is controversial, um, but I never really got behind the the Jack Nicholson version. I liked it, but I was just never like that was never the Joker to me. Like more of like this mobster. It was like the Joker was all like this like he's this brilliant maniac, and that's what I th I thought. Heath Ledger's version kind of like did a little nod to that. Um, but this version, I think, I, I really love what they're going to do because we always know that there's never one Joker origin story, even in the comic books. Like he lies about his origin all the time. So you could have the Jack Napier version. You could have, you know, the Heath Ledger version, you know how I get these scars. And then you can have this Joaquin Phoenix version where it's like he's trying to be a comedian and it looks like they're, they're going to be pulling a little bit um, from some of that, that, uh, Red Hood storyline, if you will. Uh, I don't know how much is going to be from that, but I, I know that there is going to be, I don't know if you heard, but there is going to be uh, some 
uh, Wayne's mentioned, mentioned in the film. I don't know if it's going to be Bruce Wayne, but I think it might be his father or grandfather. I can't remember who's going to be part of it. So I'm, I'm just wondering how that's going to play out. Maybe Bruce Wayne's, you know, still like a young, young man before his parents murdered me. I hope they don't go the route where Joker kills the Waynes like they did in, in the, the Burton Batman. But, uh, just that trailer though. I just, what were your thoughts of seeing, like, what was your favorite part of that, like, trailer? Like, it's, I like when you empathize even with the villains, right? So you start off and you start feeling bad for him and you put yourself in that position and it's, would, would I react similarly, right? And you say, he, he's trying to do right and he's got a wife and he's trying to do things and nothing seems to go his way, which you find for the heroes, right? Nothing seems to go their way and it's just this one little thing that could flip somebody between going to the left or going to the right. And you wonder, where are you going to end up when it's all said and done? Um, you know, the, the dark pieces, you know, we were talking about, I'm not a horror movie fan, so that'll be my horror movie for the October. I'm not going to go see it too. You can enjoy it and tell me how Thank creepy you. the Thank clown you. was. Absolutely. Um, but just dark enough for me, right? Um, but the the best characters, even when they're villains, like pull you in and you empathize with them. I like Jack Nicholson. I like the Burton Batmans because it, we weren't oversaturated with superheroes and you were looking forward to it. And visually, it was great. Um, yeah, the whole he killed his parents trying to get everything to tie in seems forced. Like you don't need to... You don't need to tie it up with a neat bow, right? Because if he killed the guy who killed his parents, wouldn't he just be done? Right. So I, I feel it's better to just say there's, there's bad in the world and you have to, you have to do something. Right. And my, my opinion to that is like, I like the driving force behind Bruce becoming Batman is this weapon, you know, this gun killed my parents. So I'll never use this weapon. I will never kill because I know what it cost me. And it's just like it's just like the dichotomy going through his mind. Like this is what cost me everything, so I'm never going to use this to get justice. And I just think that's a you know. And again, this is the, the newer version, the older. Like it's Inception. Batman used to kill all the time, and then this, you know this new thing is like more this noble. The last like 30, 40 years, whatever. But I just I really like the fact that again you're going into the psychology of the hero of the villain. And for me, what grabbed me most to your point. Um, as far as empathizing and then just like seeing the way the mind of the, the person works. If there's a scene in the middle of the trailer where he's doing that maniacal laugh and he turns the corner and then his face just drops and he just goes back, right back to a regular person. And I don't know if you, you recall that but when you go back and watch the trailer again, that to me, I'm just like, this is going to be a freaking masterpiece in my mind because it's just that, just seeing that come full circle. Yeah. And I mean, he was the Joker as a, as a villain was fighting, I mean, a litany of mental issues, right? And they, you know, they get into it more in the 90s with where they introduce Arkham more prevalently and all the other people out there, you know, that he's just, he's, <coughs> he's dealing with a lot, a lot of issues, but he's still so charismatic for being crazy, right? Like they go into, you know, the 90s with the Batman show when they introduce Harley Quinn and he convinces her that he's not as crazy as he thinks. And he turns a supposedly 
mentally stable psychologist, you know, right on her head and makes her bonkers too, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's to, to your point, and that's, that's the thing. Is he insane or is he actually really, really smart? And he's just, or I think, I think I read somewhere saying he, he actually has a superpower and it's like super insanity. So he sees super, he, he, his clarity is something that's so finite that that's why he's insane. It's viewed as insanity, but that's his superpower is that he's so smart and he's so conscientious and he just knows like he, he has this moment of clarity and that's just, he can see everything for what it is. And that's what he's viewed as insane for. And I think that's actually kind of cool. I, I don't like him as a like as a superpower per se, but just somebody that's like so smart that they he's viewed as crazy. Yeah, because I remember in one of the comic <clears throat> books they talk about how he's he's super smart, and when he they go with the origin of he ends up in the chemicals and it eliminates his ability to regulate his emotions and like push them down, right? And he's always a raw individual of just. Whatever's at the forefront of his mind emotionally, like, this is how I have to solve things. This is how I'm going to behave. And there's no filter. He has no, uh, no ability to repress any of that. And he's just, he does whatever he has to do to, to get by. And whatever he thinks is funny, he's going to do. Whatever he thinks is appropriate, he's going to do. And there's no conscience. There's no internal control. He is just, whatever he has to do to get by, he's going to do. Hey everyone, I want to quickly tell you about 4041 Media. 4041 Media is a collection of podcasts in the southern New England area. And in addition to the great show that is Free Your Geek, you can check out 4041media.com and listen to the Psych Your Crime podcast to figure out why the crazies commit the crimes that they do. Or if movies are more your thing, check out the cast of characters at Movie Theater Time Machine. You can hear all of that at 4041media.com. That's 4041media.com. 4041media, for listeners, by listeners. And welcome back to the Free Your Geek podcast. And we are here with Saul. And we're going to switch hats a little bit. We were just talking about the Joker as far as being a villain you can empathize with. Let's talk about somebody that works within those shades of gray. Uh, because there's a trailer that came out for Disney Plus that you're super into uh, called The Mandalorian. And uh, why don't you give me just your thoughts, feelings, and opinions on, on The Mandalorian and, and what you hope to see out of it. So, well, like we talked about, I'm a big, big Star Wars uh, space geek. Boba Fett, obviously, you know, teased at in the, tri in the uh, Empire Strikes Back. He was in A New Hope. When they re-released the other, the new cut with Bo, with uh, Boba Fett's with Jabba the Hutt, when they meet Jabba the Hutt for the first time in the recut from the '90s, and then obviously his father's in Attack of the Clones, Jango Fett. So you know a prevalent character that didn't get enough of a backstory, but if you're in the into the extended universe at all, the Mandalorians, which is the planet that Jango Fett's from, obviously Boba Fett's a clone. Um, just, just hugely prevalent in the Clone Wars series, uh, in the books. So really excited. John Favreau's obviously directing it. I think they said thirteen episodes. I believe so. Yeah. So it's Disney Plus. I don't know how they're going to do the rating system. Really interested though because the the sets look amazing. Obviously, they have a huge plethora of stuff to work with. Um, hoping that 
you know, as I talk with my fellow geeks, right, the, they talked about Obi-Wan, which is going to take place on Tatooine, and they, they show a lot of the planets look like we're starting off in those desert outer rim planets, which hopefully a lot of it will cross over set-wise, so you're talking about lower operating costs, more chances that they're going to continue the, the shows, right, when you're like, oh, will we see him go to Tatooine? Are we, are we watching the trailer? Is the trailer Tatooine, right? You think of the minute you see a desert planet. Um, it's John Favreau, not to say anyone is beyond reproach, but everything that he's touched recently has just been great. He, he has a, a light air to it, but it's serious when it needs to be. Um, so really interested to see what he brings in. I like a lot of his stuff. Um, you know, the original Iron Man's, uh, even his, his pre-Iron Man Marvel Universe uh, should, be, should be really interesting. I got to watch a little bit of the behind the scenes. We were talking about uh, one of my favorite shows from Josh Whedon from the 90s, Firefly, a similar space. That was almost a space western, right? So we're talking about a bounty hunter who's out there and where's that gray area he's going to play in? Is he working for the Empire, is he working for the Rebellion, or is he just working for himself trying to get money? Uh, and you'll get into those gray areas of, I have to help people find this person, but are they being found for the wrong reasons? And the, in Star Wars, they underlie so much of the drugs and slavery and all these things that we're gonna see that aren't gonna be regulated because it's happening at the fall of the Empire and before the actual establishment of a new government for the entire galaxy. So it's just gonna be a free-for-all. You'll see hopefully a lot of interesting stuff. I like, they showed a lot of the gadgets, the, the uh, grappling, and uh, he has his blaster, and he has a little missile launcher, so. The scene, the scene of the trailer that made it for me was that, that pod bay door closing, then it just cut away, and we don't see what happens. I'm like, oh, I can't wait. And I think to your point, I believe Disney has come out and said nothing will be more than PG-13 on Disney+. Plus. Mm. So I think if there's going to be any harder, you know, more mature stuff, it's going to make its way to Hulu as opposed to Disney+, Plus because Disney now owns Hulu as well. Right, because if you have Hulu, because Disney bought Fox, which Fox owns Hulu, it's $6 more a month to get Disney+. Plus. Right. But yeah, I don't think they're going to go beyond PG-13 you know, they're not going to be into the HBO genre. Right. Um, you know, Star Wars After Dark, that would just be <laughs> weird. <laughs> Let's see what's really happening in, in Jabba the Hutt's yeah. Uh, palace. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, really, uh, I'm really excited. They said it was the largest budget of a um, TV show beyond what Amazon's going to probably spend on Lord of the Rings. But right. A lot of the set pieces and stuff are there. They have so much to pull from. I think they had IG-11. The uh, assassin droid was in the... Because mm-hmm. um, it was IG-88 was the original one from some of the other shows. So same model, but a different droid. That should be interesting. We'll see. You know, they talk about the Mandalorian's design going back to uh, the original... I think it was the Christmas episode. He had that weird sniper rifle... So we don't know where it's going to come from, but it's kind of a known little universe, but you probably won't see people run around with lightsabers and uh, whatnot. But the, the scene where he shoots the door controllers and it kind of closes on the guy, That's, was, that, that I was, was sold. hilarious. I was sold. I was absolutely sold. And to your point, yes, I think Disney, for everything they're doing, they know what they're doing as far as spending this money. 
if they get the right the subscribers that they're going to be getting you know i think everything it's interesting because like 10 years ago we were talking about like you know cable companies and oh you know cable's too expensive now all these streaming you know netflix blew up hulu blew up like all this stuff is going to the streaming you know technologies there now every company is going to have their own streaming service so it's kind of like almost like an a la carte which streaming service you want to go with and every single streaming service has amazing shows but i think you have the the intellectual property of marvel and star wars on disney plus i, I think it's any geek is it's they're gonna have that you know they're gonna make their money back like tenfold i think with with Disney Plus. I mean, it's like it's like everything else with the reboots. It's getting the parents to well, if I'm going to introduce my child to something, it's going to be something that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. I so I have two little girls, and I introduce them to Ninja Turtles. Who doesn't love Ninja right, Turtles? Of that was born in the '80s. I tried watching the original series with them, um, so we started with the original, and I realized how unPC it was. Yeah, um, they call each other retarded. Mm -hmm. They. <laughs> They go way out of balance. So we started watching the newer ones, which I think they change for change sake. Right. Once again, to make toys. Right. Um, which kind of made me a little apprehensive. I did enjoy Batman versus Ninja Turtles. I don't know. Did you see yes. that one? Yes. I don't know if you guys That's talked awesome. about it on yeah. here. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet. Oh. We, we, the comic we, we talked about, I think, a little bit, in a, like, you know, probably a few few uh, months or years back. But. Mm -hmm. The, the movie, yeah, the movie's great. We haven't talked about it on the, uh, the no, show, though. I, I only, I wish they had used some of the original voice actors because, yep. you know, we talked about the animated series Batman the, and Mark Hamill as the Joker, just iconic voices that would have upped the level so much more. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, watch the movie before you watch it with your kids. As a good parent, I always screen things. Yep. Uh, people get decapitated in that movie. It's a little more violent than you would think. Um, so watch it before you watch it with gotcha, your kids. Gotcha. I didn't let my seven-year-old watch it yet. That's a little PSA for all you parents out there. Um, I do want to talk about though. Speaking of Ninja Turtles, have you ever seen? Uh, speaking of like the the '80s cartoon, have you seen the movie Turtles Forever? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Forever. Was that the CGI one that came nope, out? No, this is this is it was an animated flick, and it was basically like the it was the Nickelodeon version of the Ninja Turtles. But they meet all the past iterations. It's like a multiverse type thing. Oh no! So they run into the '80s Ninja Turtles, and then they even run into the uber violent uh, comic book black and white Ninja Turtles. Oh, the all red mask Ninja Turtles. Yeah, it's it's. Sick. Oh, I'll have to check that it's one out. It's definitely sick. Um, I loved it because it was like it was that just that it had like a little bit more of the not I don't want to say realism, but it was like. To me, the 80s cartoon, you know, they kind of, it pokes fun at it. Like, oh, they're throwing like pizza and like, we're going to eat pizza with gummy worms and whatever and bubble gum. And these other, these new iterations of the turtles, like, what are these guys on? Like, what's wrong with these? You know, and it's just like, it's one of those things where I just think it's, it's such a cool melding of the different universes and generations of what you'd expect out of this, this, you know, product and, and, and this, this. You know kind of the series of, of ninja turtles and it's just like the current version versus the past version versus the original version and it's just it's so good oh i'll have to check that one out they do do in the um in the iteration on hulu right now there's a newer one on um nickelodeon that my kids enjoy but i do not splinter looks like a hamster mm -hmm. it's it's horrible i'm sorry it's horrible but the other version that was on uh, Nickelodeon for a while that was a little more true to form they actually do a multiverse thing and they see the turtles from the 80s and they wonder what's wrong with them 
in that show and, and my kids look at me going, why, why does everybody look like that? It's like, eh. and the yellow jumpsuit was in fashion. In the right, day. absolutely. Well, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that because um, kind of tying that all together, uh, we talk about the classics. The other thing I want to talk about is that we want to talk about classic video games. And my, my only news bit, I had some stuff that I want to talk about Star Wars, about Anthony Daniels hinting at C-3PO's farewell and Rise of Skywalker. I mean, we've seen the trailer, we see his red eyes. So is he going to become a Sith or, or is he self-destructing? We don't know, but it's going to be emotional there. But I want to, I want to kind of finish off the podcast talking a little bit about video games and uh, our news bit that Disney's classic 90s Aladdin and the Lion King games are actually coming to the next-gen consoles, Nintendo Switch, the PS4, the Xbox One, and PC on October 29th. And it's going to be run a MSRP of $29.99. So for $30, bucks, you are going to get uh, this collection, which is developed by Nighthawk Interactive and Digital Eclipse, will include all of the Sega Genesis and Nintendo Game Boy versions of Aladdin, along with something called the Final Cut in a trade show demo that hasn't been available since 1993. And then the Lion King will get the Genesis, Nintendo, SNES, and Game Boy versions, all for 30 bucks on this. Uh... So we, we talked about like going back and, and just you know talking about stuff we grew up on. Again, child of the 80s versus child of the 90s to kind of put a bow on this. Um, I want to first get your thoughts on that. And then I want to kind of segue into what you're playing now, what uh, systems you're, you're using, whether it's PC, console. So let's, let's just go back here. Just your thoughts. I know we kind of talked off off air, like how difficult those games were. Oh yeah, I I think I had uh, the Lion King for my Game Gear, the original, which I still have, uh, which was ridiculously hard. I don't think I ever got past the level where you have to run on top of the wildebeest after your dad gets run over. Um, the horrible scene. I, was I can't say, even spo- watch the spoiler live. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! I haven't, haven't watched the live action Lion King because I just don't. Want but it. Don't again, want John Favreau. Yes, yes. So there you go. Again, tie it all together. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you see Jungle Book? I, I have. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, I loved that it. That was great. Um, so I loved Aladdin. We were talking. I still knew the, knew the code. A-B-A-C-A-B-B. If anybody needs the code to, uh, to cheat their way through Aladdin, I don't know if that'll actually be the code. Um, was a, it was a fun game. Um, I actually have a Raspberry Pi that uh, I ripped, and I have about 6,000 games on an emulator on my Raspberry Pi over there that looks like a mini Nintendo. So I have all the original ones. That's and awesome. you go back and you don't realize how skilled you had to be. At, like you missed that rhythm of jumping. Mm-hmm. And then it was right back to the beginning. And no save games. You know, you talk about no second chances. And all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, $30 for all those games. I mean, it's great that they can re release this stuff that. You know, people worked hard on back in the day and put a lot of time into it. Um, and they're fun to play, but will I buy it? Probably not. Um, they do, re- you know, they love to re-release things or they just go with the next iteration, the next iteration. Um, you know, we're talking, I'm a PlayStation 4 person as well. And PC, I actually started on PC because my parents wouldn't buy me consoles, but we were early adopters into the computer world. Um, I was an early MMO person. I used to gold farm and all that stuff in high school. My parents would wonder where I was getting money from. People are paying you to play video games. Um, but, you know, some of my friends that we've moved to other parts of the country, we still game together because 
that's how we connect, you know, instead of sitting down and watching, you know, Vampire Diaries or one of those mindless shows, I'd rather I like how you I'd went right to engaged. Vampire Diaries. I know. It's a, it's a plug to one of my friends that whenever I talk to him, I'm like, what are you doing? Watching Vampire Diaries? I'm like, seriously? That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> just want to see Blade show up at the end and just kill everybody. That is, and, and again, uh, we didn't even talk about that. What do you think of the, uh, the new Blade series that's... Uh... One of the, you know, back in the day, that was one of the early, you talk about reboots and we kind of laughed about the Matrix, you'll probably talk about at some point, um, you know, where, what are they rebooting because there's people out there that want to see it. You're going to see Blade, you're going to see Spawn, no offense to Black Panther and everyone's like, first black superhero movie and I'm like, I watched Spawn right. many, many years ago and it was a great, great uh, franchise, the comic books were amazing, they were so dark when everything else was shiny and bright and you know image went just super dark and tried to distance themselves from the other oversaturated comic book market right so you had image and um malibu was the other comics that tried to get in was there top cow was that was that one i, I one? can't remember was it top cow top cow yeah I'm i think that to, was in yeah because like image up. was savage dragon and and spawn uh really dark you know almost rated r comics i mean the scantily clad women and you know yeah top, top cow was like witchblade yeah uh you know that that universe so they were trying to distance themselves but it's funny when they talk about you know first black superhero movies black panther and i'm like the blade series with wesley snipes before he went amazing totally off the map were great um you know they were borderline scary they were vampire movies which everybody liked and he was i mean i thought he was great in all those um and you look back at you know, the early nights, Ron Perlman was in them. Um, uh, it wasn't Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds was yeah. in, yeah, him was in and the third uh, Jessica, Jessica Biel. Jessica Biel, right? We're in the third one. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited for, I can never pronounce his name, who's going to be Shades, for, uh, not Shades, uh, Cottonmouth from Luke Cage. I don't know if you saw Luke Cage. No, I've yeah, watched. He was, he was cotton, watched Cottonmouth. No, but who's playing Wesley? Who's playing Blade? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's the actor. I can't think of his name. Did not not Luke Cage, the guy that played Cottonmouth. I'm gonna look it up. No, right he's now. not playing Blade. The guy from Black Panther's playing Blade. Um, you're thinking of Theo Rossi. Theo Rossi. No, 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 no. That was Shades. I'm thinking. Um, we're, we're gonna get there, but no. Oh, the he, guy who played Cotton. Cottonmouth. Oh, okay, yeah. Cottonmouth yes. on on Luke Cage. Yes, and I forget how to pronounce his name. Um, so I think that's gonna be great. I just think that Marvel's doing an amazing job because you know when we were younger the sequels were always worse mm -hmm. and they just seem to build on it and focus on the stuff that they know works not just trying to pump something else out to make more money right like the actor you're thinking of is uh Mar maharshala ali okay Mahershala. yeah, yeah. so we'll call him Mersh. this, this yes. guy yeah, yeah he's gonna so i think i think he, and i loved him in luke cage yeah i thought you know i, I don't know much of his work but I, I loved he was the best part of that first season to me luke cage playing cottonmouth like i thought he was he was great so to see him step up and fill in his blade i think if they integrate it with the marvel universe i, I think they're going to be going and we, we kind of talked offline doctor strange 2 is going to be more of a horror type mm. of genre so i'm wondering if they're going to try to like kind of it, it looks like the next iteration the next phase of the marvel universe might suit your uh suit your interest because it's going to be a lot of space a lot of mm. aliens and then a lot of uh sci-fi and then it's going to get into like vampires and shit so it's gonna be a lot of dark dark stuff yeah. screen the movies before you take your kids yes i agree <laughs> i agree and we know that they're all going to be like pg-13 which you know but again you can still have a lot of 
I just I love the fact that like you're such an advocate for like screening like you don't hear a lot about that you I like I've gotten to so many movies where it's just like people bring in their kids and like they it's because they want to see it they and they're not doing their due diligence for their children it's, it's kind of refreshing to to hear and see that that you're you're doing that for your daughters yeah I try and I try and do it again one more time it's it's weird to I have to explain to my daughters the scene in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin goes into the room with all the little kids and I'm like. We're just gonna not talk about that. We're gonna just—he's doing some bad stuff, honey. Ooh, he's he, becoming a bad guy. He's yeah, he's shipping them all off to orphanages. So. They're going to a farm upstate. Yeah, uh, total farm upstate uh, action on that one. Uh, speaking of, I think we're gonna go to a farm upstate. So I want to uh, thank you, Saul, for uh, being part of the the podcast. Um, is there anything else? Anything you want to plug? Anything? Uh, uh, I'm, like I was telling you, you, you told me you got Firefly. I think we should, we should end with reading list. should be go read Ready Player One. If you're a child of the 80s, uh, definitely pick up Ready Player One. Give it a read. It sucks you in. Um, go watch Firefly before The Mandalorian comes out. Such Nathan Fillion, uh, Summer Glau, who was in the Terminator TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jewel Strait, who's awesome. She goes on into Stargate SG-1. And uh, I always forget Mara Schoen um, from Firefly, but it's it's Josh Whedon for everyone who loves Josh Whedon. Uh, we were talking about offline the kind of the parallels with the space western where it's they just it's a big gray area that they they kind of live in this gray area of space trying to make it living outside of uh, an overarching government. So put that one in. That one definitely sucks you in. And then, yeah, we'll get together again. Maybe we'll talk more games. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk games. We'll, we'll, we'll have to start. A, I'll give you my uh, username after this. But as far as Free Your Geek goes, uh, you know, make sure to follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Go check out our, our affiliates at 4041media.com. You can listen to some other great shows there. And until then, folks, until next time, Get your geek on. still here. It's over. Go home. <laughs>